0: Welcome to Revealed Truth, the audio outreach ministry of Moores Creek Baptist Church. I am Pastor Roger Barnes, and I invite you now to join me as we open the Bible, God's Revealed Truth. If you were with us last uh, Sunday, you know that we started off here in in Ephesians, and we talked about just very little (laughs) of the start of it, but it led us to other places in the Word. We're going to pick up where we were there last week as we left we talked about uh, the therefore being what led in what he's taught in the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians we talked about him being a prisoner of the Lord he knew that all that he did he was in bondage to that salvation because of what Christ had done for him and then he turned to this word and said beseech in other words I beg you I want you to pay close attention I want you to do this because this is the worthy manner to live and he says I beseech you to walk to walk. He did not tell us as Christians we are to beseech to come and sit or we are beseech to be happy on our laurels of the fact that we've found Jesus. We aren't to be, to be sedentary in our salvation. Our salvation should be a walk, should be a journey. This is talked about many, many times within the word and we always see this journey. I picture Jesus as he walked and he talked. He was always journeying from one place to another in order that the gospel may be spread throughout the world. And when you were saved, You were saved to have a worthy walk. And he talked about this walk to us here in this section of Scripture. But we pinpointed a place that that, um, I found very interesting um, last week as we got started. And that's in the book of Psalms. So if you remember the book of Psalms there back in the middle of your Bible, if you'll flip back with me to Psalm chapter 1. Let's pick up where we left off last week, because we sort of left in a very dismal place last week. If you looked at this walk that we're told about by the psalmist here, this, this walk of faith, so to speak, and it's in the whole chapter of, of Psalm 1, as a matter of fact. And we looked at last week where it said in verse number 1, Blessed is the man, and who of us does not want to be blessed by God? If you don't want to be blessed by God this morning, raise your hand. We need something to pray about. We'll be glad to call you down front and lay hands on you and pray for you. For all of us want to be blessed by God. None of us want to be cursed by God, which is the backside of that coin. So we all want to be blessed. And it said, blessed is the man. And it goes on to say three things about our walk there. It says, who walks not in the counsel of God. So we start the ungodly. So we said that to to walk in the counsel of the ungodly means that you are not blessed you are not walking like god so he says be careful where you take your counsel where you look at this world be careful the glasses that you put on make sure it's not the worldview glasses that you're looking at the world through but make sure it's the the glasses of the the gospel of the word and he says so he who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or he who walks not in the counsel of the godly is the blessed man so so he gives us that point then he progresses to what will happen in the next step if you Choose to walk with those ungodly. He says, Blessed is a man who does not stand in the path of sinners. See, because there's a natural progression when you start taking your advice from the world, you suddenly find yourself standing with the world. And as you stand with the world, more of the world gets into you than you do the world. I found it interesting. I was listening to a preacher on the way in this morning uh, as I was writing. And he was talking about the tendency of Christians to, to justify their hanging out with the world. It says they, they go to the Bible and they say, well, it tells us we're to be uh, you know, in this world, but not of the world. So we must be around those that are that are ungodly, that are not Christians. So we even, he even talked about those that justify their marriages. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Those that are saved and they're either dating or they marry a person who's unsaved. And what's the famous last words they always tell you when you say, you know what, you probably should look at this situation because you you don't want to be marrying a person or you don't want to be dating a person that's unsaved. And they always say, yeah, but I'll change them. Famous last words of a fool. Famous last words of a fool. How do I know that? Because he tells us here in Psalms that if you take your advice, your counsel from the world, the next thing you know, you're going to find yourself standing with the world. And from there, it moves to the last part of that first verse, sitting in the seat of the scornful. What you find if you associate with the world long enough if you start looking like the world you start acting like the world you start being scornful of those things that the world is scornful of it's amazing to see the number of religious organizations and and those so-called christian um, men and women that stand up and denounce things that are so perfectly clear in the word of god it's amazing to me to see those that stand up and say How can you say that God's a God of love when you're not accepting of all? There's a problem with that message. It's this man called Jesus. See, because if God was truly accepting of all, then why did Jesus die? Can you explain that to me? Can you explain to me how God would take his only begotten son and hang him on a cross to die for sin if sin didn't matter? It's unexplainable. It makes no sense. It means what we're doing is stupid. Calling ourselves a Christian is ignorant. If in fact that God is accepting of all. It's not the case. There is a thing called sin. And there is a thing called righteousness. Those two things never blur together. There is no gray area. You're either hot or you're cold. If you're in the middle, you'll be spit from the mouth of God. It doesn't matter if you... Wrap it around a church building. It doesn't matter if you put it under the title of reverend. If you try to blend those two things, I don't want to be you at judgment day. And what he's telling us about our walk is it should be that important to us. He says that our, our walk, our, our counsel there, as we walk among those of the ungodly. We should be careful not to take their advice. We should not stand in their path. We should walk in the path of God, and we definitely should not sit in their seat. We should only sit in the seat of the righteous, and those are the ones who follow the Word of God. How do I know that? Because the psalmist goes on there in verse 2, and he says, this is the the idea of the things you shouldn't do. Let's look at verse 2, where he gives us the idea of the things that we should do. How do you avoid the counsel of the ungodly? How do you avoid standing in their path? How do you avoid sitting in their seat and becoming scornful like they are? Verse number two of Psalm one says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, I know those that read that, the very first thing they think is, well, the law has been done away with by Jesus when he came in the New Testament. In a sense, yes, and in another sense, no. Jesus said, in fact, that he came to fulfill that law. None of the law of the Old Testament was wrong. But keep in mind why there was a law in the Old Testament. It was because of this thing called sin. God set forth this plan that you could look at because he knew man's sinful heart. He wanted to say, what is the least that I can do to be right with God? Am I wrong when I say that? I know for a fact I'm right. This may step on some of you's toes and it's my job, I guess, in one sense. You know how I know we choose to do the least we can to be in God's favor? Because I could take the Wednesday night crowd... And meet in a Sunday school classroom. Let it sink in a second. That's the least we can do. Is to show up on Sunday. That's our mindset. The least I can do. And still be right with God. So he sets forth these laws. These laws are are to be abided by. man quickly discovered he couldn't keep those laws. Hence Jesus. That's why Jesus came. But that's not exactly what the psalmist is saying here when he's talking about this law. See, he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. What is this law of the Lord? It's kind of interesting. The Bible's been called a lot of things, but one of the things that definitely can be called is the law of the Lord. For you see that all that God wants to tell us, he has placed between the covers of your Bible. I've told you many times, if a person comes up to you and says, I have a new word from God, I want to tell you. What were you supposed to do? Run. Because if it doesn't fit from cover to cover, he made it up. If I stand in this pulpit and said, last night, God told me something and I need to tell you that nobody's ever said before, leave. Because I will be wrong. Because what he did is he revealed himself here. You see, anytime you try to pull something else out that's not here, you're making it up. If God wanted us to know, he'd add it. How do I know? Because he said to change one jot or tittle within this <laughs> carries a penalty. To add or subtract. To do anything other than what he's already told us. To try to make ourself look like we know more than the average person is wrong. So this law that he's talking about is the law of this word. I find it kind of interesting. Did we put it up there? Yeah, Bible reading. Let's see, we had how many, had 53 in Sunday school today. Only 26 of you own a Bible. I know what we need to do. We need to buy some Bibles and start passing out on Sunday morning. Only 26 of you apparently own a Bible out of the 53 that showed up. Why? Because only 26 of you read it on a daily basis. What's the bare minimum we can do, the bare minimum Sunday morning? You mean the bare minimum couldn't be that you hear from God every day of what he wrote in his word? You see, he says here that you should delight in the law. It shouldn't be a task to read your Bible. You shouldn't have to schedule an appointment. We shouldn't have to hand you an open windows. We shouldn't have to buy a book that tells you how to read through the Bible in 365 days. He didn't say you should keep the law. He said you should delight in the law. There's a world of difference in delighting in something and doing something because you're physically compelled to do it. You see, to sit down and read your Bible every morning because you think it's what you're supposed to do, you should remain one of those other than the 26 that don't read. Because you're not to read your Bible because you want to raise the number on the board or do something every day. You're to read the Bible because you delight in the Word. When is the last time you've read the Word and walked away going, wow, wow, I didn't know that about my God, and I didn't know that about me. When is the last time that you couldn't wait to get home from work, not to flip on the stupid TV and see what the weather is tomorrow, but to get your Bible out and pick up where you had to leave off this morning because you were running late to work? When's the last time that you woke up in the middle of the night with something on your mind, and instead of trying to decide how to fix it, you grabbed the Word of God to decide how to fix it. When's the last time that the Bible was so important in your life that if your house caught on fire, the first thing that you would grab to make sure it left with you was your Bible? Because if I went and set fire to your house, most of you would first grab your checkbook, your guns, all the other things you love, and this would be the last thing that you grab. But when was the last time that the Bible was so important in your life that you would give your life to keep somebody from taking it away from you? I hear the stories about those in China and other places where the Bible's taken and shredded. The authorities come in and they shred the Bible and say, you can't read that. When the authorities leave, they pick up the pieces so they can still read the pieces. When has the Bible been that important to you? See, if you want to walk and a call that's worthy, you must know what the walk entails. The instruction of what the walk is is found in the Word. Instead of having this worldview where the outside world tells you what you should see and what God means by what He says, why not ask God? You want to change your entire walk in life? Take off the worldview glasses where everybody else is telling you what to think Put on your God-view glasses and look at everything that's happening in the world through Scripture. Delight in that. Love it so much that you pant for it, as the psalmist says. Pants for the water. See, we need to learn to love God's Word again. It says if we delight in the law of the Lord, it says we do that, and it leads us to do the second thing in verse 2. And it says, and in his law he meditates, meditates day and night. What does it mean to meditate on something? I tried a little task with you there the other week. I think it was last week, maybe the week before. I told you we were heading back to the book of Ephesians. Anybody remember me mentioning that as we wound up service? I think it was two weeks ago. I said, You know where I'm headed. You know what verses I'm going to read. Why don't you go study it so you're prepared? If I was to ask for a showing of hands of those who went home and broke out your Bible and said, let's look at the first part of Ephesians chapter 4, because I know where Brother Roger's going, who would raise their hand? I actually had one just raised in the back. A person was honest enough to say, I did. See, so many of us wait for a person that we attach a title to, a pastor, or a reverend, or a doctor, or whatever, to come tell us what the Word says that we've got no idea what the Word says. We know what that person behind the pulpit says. How do you know when I'm wrong? How do you know if I got up and preached an entire message, used Scripture to do it, but it was wrong? How would you know? See, the only way you're going to know is if you know the Word. And this word that's used here for meditate, I find this very interesting. When we think about meditate... We think about sitting down with our legs crossed in some funny way, holding our hands up or something, don't we? Or sitting, or sitting there with candles burning in the room. And, but what does it really mean to meditate? How many of you have ever been in love with another person, anybody? Uh-oh. My wife didn't even raise her hand. Okay, turn to First Corinthians chapter 13. <laughs> but in all honesty... Have you ever been in love with another person, another human being? Have you ever been so in love with that person that that's all you thought about? Have you? I wouldn't go around the room and ask now that you've been married 20 or 30 years. I'll be married 28 years in March. Do I still think about her every day? Yes, sometimes not in the same manner I did when I was madly over head over heels in love and would have shot myself through the foot to see her again. Sometimes it's, it's not as nice. Sometimes it's a whole lot better, but there's still this thing that I think about her. On the way home, I think about, "What are we going to do tonight?"?" Or, we talked about last night we were going to go out to eat, and we both chickened out because it was 30 degrees, and the wind was blowing and it felt like 15. So <laughs> But we're constantly I know on my part, and I think on her part and her thoughts are probably not as good as my thoughts, because I know what she's got to work with with me. But she's constantly on my mind. My children are constantly on my mind. You ever woke up in the middle of the night when you've been out of town and been separated from that husband or wife or that one that you love and you just woke up thinking about them? Have you ever just wondered, they've been off on a business trip or you've been off on a business trip and you hear about bad weather passing at the house, and I've done this before when I've been in Tennessee and, and I hear about you guys having bad weather here and I just can't get off my mind that my wife's back there where there's that bad weather and I'm thinking about this all the time. You know, you know what I'm doing when I do that? <laughs> I'm meditating about her. That's what it means to meditate. It means to ponder. It means to think about. When's the last time that the scripture so invaded your life that you couldn't get it out of your heart and your mind? That you couldn't stop thinking about a passage? When's the last time a passage jumped in your mind and you found yourself all day long thinking about it? See, that's what it means to delight in the law and then meditate on that law. See, if you want to avoid walking down the wrong path, you've got to know what the right path is. You don't just, with a GPS especially, you don't just plug in a number under the GPS of where you're going and it says, here's where you go, and then it cuts itself off. You know what it does the whole time that you're driving to your destination with that GPS? It's constantly giving you directions and corrections maybe even. Anybody on a GPS and you ever heard, recalculating? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It does it about three times. I roll the window down and she stops, or at least she stops telling me. She's telling whoever picked it up off the highway back there. But we don't just look one time when we're getting directions. Some folks look at a map and they go, I got it. They put the map in their pocket. They're off and running. Not me. I want to stop and check. Is this the right road? Is that the right road? Is this where I want to go? I want that GPS correcting me if I'm wrong. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? then why do we think we can pick up the Word one time a week or hear somebody else pick up the Word one time a week and we stay on the right path the rest of the week? See, it doesn't happen that way. You should be so delighted in God's Word that you take it into your heart and you meditate on a day. You'll find out exactly like Britt did just a few minutes ago. God shows up in some of the craziest places when you're in His Word. It's amazing some of the places God shows up to me. I'll be reading something in the Word and studying it and just struggling with it, trying to decide what it says and working it out in my heart. And I'll be at a restaurant somewhere and look at the menu, and there'll be something written on the menu, a Bible verse on the bottom, which is the verse that explains what I've been struggling with the whole time. But you know what? I never noticed it. Had I not been meditating on what I was studying in the Word. My wife was telling me the other day, she was out to lunch. I heard one of uh, her co-workers, they went to... Cookout restaurant. I don't know, if you ever eat at a cookout restaurant? You ever notice what plays on the radio in a cookout restaurant? Christian music station. You ever looked at your cup? Everybody go eat at cookout today and get you a cup. On the cup they put Bible verses. She's eating with a fella that had told her not too long ago after it was a particular accident that kind of scared him a little bit. He was going to have his son baptized in case anything happened to his son like this accident. He'd be taken care of. And he thought he might go ahead and get baptized too so that he'd be taken care of. That's the way it was phrased to her. During the cookout, and just the, he looks at his cup and goes, looks at her, says, Isn't that like a Bible verse? She's like, Yeah, it's a Bible verse. He goes, Huh, I bet you even know what it says. So she recites it to him. Yeah. Happened to be John 3.16 because all he put was a number. He was amazed. That she knew the Bible verse. See, that's the way most Christians walk. They know it's in there. They know it's the truth. They just don't care to take the time to study it. They don't care to take the time to meditate on it. Why? Why do we not want to study it and not meditate on it? I'll tell you why. It's not because we're lazy. Most of you aren't lazy. You've made a good lifestyle for yourself you've worked hard all your life you've done things that prove you're not lazy so it's not laziness it's not the lack of ability to be able to read it because right now if you don't understand a translation there's three thousand other ones that'll fix that for you if you don't understand those three thousands there are probably thousands upon thousands of books explaining those things There's Bible studies you go to. There's preachers that you can listen to on the radio. There's all kinds of answers. So that's not an excuse. Being lazy, not being able to is not an excuse. You know why we don't delight in the law and meditate on it? We're scared about what it's going to do to us. The bottom line is we like us like we are. We don't want to change. You know what that's called? Sin. To desire to stay where you're at and not go where God wants you to go is sin. You want to know what's wrong with our church today? And We'll put it at this church. You want to know what's wrong with this church? Sin. It's no different than any other church. The Bible tells us we all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Boom. Exclamation point. Stamp of approval. Whatever. There it is. There's the word. So you've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The difference in a church that honors and glorifies God, and a person that honors and glorifies God, it's what they do about that. It's not the one-time acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the continual confession of your sin and repentance to never go back there that shows you delight in the law and you meditate on it daily. Because I will guarantee you this, if everything you do comes through the filter of the gospel, comes through the filter of God's word, There'll be a lot of things you do now you won't do anymore. Because you'll see through the lens, through those glasses of the word, that it's wrong. And whenever you meditate upon the fact that you've done it, it'll cause you to come to this altar and fall on your knees weeping because of what you've done to your God. Why don't we delight in the law? Why don't we meditate on it? Because quite frankly, we don't want to change. What we choose to do is we choose to take the word of the world about how we should live. I wrote down a couple of statements that I just thought about as I did this. It says, The world cannot and will not tell you how to live right. The unsaved friends cannot and will not tell you. The government cannot and will not tell you. The past experiences of what happened in your life cannot and will not tell you. The way you want it done... Cannot and will not tell you the right way. There's only one way you can know how to walk worthy, as Paul's telling us in Ephesians, and that's to delight in His law and meditate on His Word day and night. The only way that we know where and how to walk is through God's Word, spending time in His Bible, spending time talking with God, spending time praying. To God, He goes from there to tell us what that result is, and we'll go there next week. We'll go there next week. But I ask you this this morning. Do you delight in your Bible? If I were to break in your house and try to steal your Bible, would you defend it with the same ferocity that you would defend me stealing your cash or your guns or your family members? Would you defend the Bible with the same strength that you defend the life of your loved ones? You see, what's happened in our world today is those who know very little about the Bible and do not have the Holy Spirit living within them have tried to interpret that Bible to the world. We see it in the news every day. We see folks that want to be elected as president, so they stand up and they tell you how good they are with the Bible and where all they've been and how they go to church and they tell you about that and... All those things. We see those that, that want to push a particular agenda. And they'll take a certain place out of the Bible. And says this. Look you're a Christian. This Bible supports this. You should go along with us. And you see the world trying to tell you what the word says. I ask you this this morning. Do you know what they're telling you is wrong? Can you pick out the right things and the wrong things? When a person comes up to you and starts talking about their Christian experience, or their religion, or their God, or whatever in that Christian realm happens to be the discussion, do you know what they're saying is true or untrue? You know, you really shortchange their walk as well as yours when you're not in the Word. Why do I say that? I started off this morning telling you that we gather here to worship Christ. We gathered to learn in Sunday school. We gathered in this fellowship together here, not for what you get, but for what you can give. See, worshiping God's about giving, not about getting. Sure, you sit here for 30 minutes this morning and listen to me expound on a particular passage, and I hope that sinks into your heart, but it's not good enough if it just goes into your heart. You should take that. You should water it with the word of God, and it should flow out to those sitting around you. That person sitting in the pew next to you may need something that you've read in the Word this week. And by you not reading it, they're not getting it. You see, when you have a challenge in your life, God wants you to turn to His Word to fix that challenge. When you see a brother and sister in Christ with the same challenge, you now have the answer. It's not how you did it, it's how God showed you to do it. You take that answer that you learned from God in your situation and you hand it to that person. You say, right here is what God taught me as I meditated on His Word, as I delighted in His law, as I listened to Him speak to me. I hope it blesses your heart. See, you can't be a blessing to your fellow brother and sister in Christ if you don't know what God says about a particular situation. Some of you have lost loved ones just this year. And you know what I'm talking about. When life was so tough, when when you struggled so much with that death, You were able to reach in God's word and he plainly explained to you why. Plainly explained to you where your loved one was. And when someone else that you know loses a loved one, you're able to walk up to them and say, let me show you what God told me about death. Instead of you approaching it and saying, this is what I learned, you can say, this is what God told me. This is what God told me when the tears flowed from my eyes as I read his word, trying to decide what God's purpose was in this. That's called meditating on His Word. So I ask you this morning, church, have you meditated on His Word lately? Are you looking forward to leaving here right now to make it to the restaurant ahead of the Methodist? Or would you like to pull out your Bible and say, God, show me more. When's the last time this came more important than the two football games that are going to be played this afternoon? Do you realize there are people right now driving through snow in a city that's been shut down for two days for snow that they had to bring in folks from the NASCAR track to help them clear the seats for a ball game and they're going to sit out there tonight. About 6.30, freezing cold with the wind blowing to watch a bunch of overpaid babies play a sport. I don't even like the sport anymore because they can't tackle apparently. They get a flag if they tackle somebody. I'm not sure how this works. It's not that I'm against football. But if we decided we were going to have a tent revival today, outside downtown Burgall, it's only 45, sun shining, I couldn't scare up enough that we could huddle together and not freeze to death. You want to know why? Nobody loves us anymore. I ask you, church, where's your love? Have you meditated on this to the point that the pages are falling out? Some of you, I think you buy a new Bible every week. It looks so good. When's the last time that the tears fell from your eyes on the page because God showed you himself? This morning, I beg you, I beseech you to walk worthy. It starts with the love of God's word. Thank you for joining us here at Revealed Truth.